0: Let's put our hands together, everybody that's loving life. welcome, welcome, welcome. Give it up for Chandler. what a great video he put together there. And the golf tournament they're working on has incredible um, incredible prizes. Like someone's going to go to like a resort and someone's going to travel the world, and someone could win a million dollars. It's amazing. I want to give a shout-out as well, these little things on your seats. Uh, We have a six-week small group adventure following Easter. Please pray with us that God will give us incredible increase, and many people that are presently living far away from God will come into God's family in the Easter outreach. Please, please, please pray for that. Then we want to connect them to uh, small groups. We need you to be a part of that they're having a special hosting event just to kind of kick the tires and learn a little bit about small groups. You can read about that in your weekly. We're opening our Bibles today to Revelation the 3rd chapter and as we begin, let me just ask how did you get into the building today? Walking front door, that's good. The keyword there would be door. How do you get into a restaurant? How do you get into a bank? How do you get into Walmart? How do you get into Chick-fil-A? You walk through an open door. And that's what we're talking about today. Have you ever hit a door full tilt and found out it wasn't open? You push the door and it pushed back? Have you ever tried to walk through a door that really wasn't a door? It happened to me. New Mall was, and they didn't have the stickers on the windows yet, and they put them there for a reason. And I hit a window, a plain glass, just like a bird. I tried to say, oh, that didn't hurt, but it hurt a lot. We want to talk today about the power and the opportunity of open doors. We are in our series of messages taken from the seven letters that Jesus wrote to the church Uh, in the second and third chapter of the Revelation, the last book of the Bible. Very easy book to find. Let's go all the way right, and it's right there. It's right there at the end of the Bible. And we have come to the church at Philadelphia. Anybody ever heard of Philadelphia? Anybody been to Philadelphia here in America? Yes. Anybody from Philadelphia? Oh, one person... You know, it was William, um, William Penn, the founder of Pennsylvania, named the city of Philadelphia. And his history was he had been persecuted a lot for his faith, and he wanted a city that wouldn't persecute people. He wanted a city of brotherly love. So he put two Greek words together, forming the city of brotherly love. But you live there, so some people that have lived there told me it's not a city of brotherly love. Uh, it's a, more like a city of brotherly shove, Philadelphia, what's it famous for? Philadelphia is famous for? Cheese Cheese steaks, absolutely. Please do not fantasize about food while I'm speaking. The ancient city of Philadelphia that we're looking at, in, uh, in the seven cities, the seven churches in the seven cities, it's not that ancient of a city it was only founded about 150 years before jesus so it's not in the in the scope of ancient cities it's not that ancient to us it's ancient but it was founded by the king of pergama one of the cities we've already looked at in our journey through the seven churches the king of pergama was called king alatus And he had a a nickname named Philadelphus because he loved his brother. In fact, when he founded the city, because of his great love for his brother, the city became known as Philadelphia, the original Philadelphia. And uh, Jesus loved that city. There was a church that was founded in that city. It was not comparison. All of the other churches that we've read about, some of the churches we have read about, even in the first century, were churches of thousands of people. This church was a relatively small church. But God loves small churches. He loves all churches that are doing the work of Jesus, whether they're big or whether they're small. There are some small churches that are not doing the work of Jesus. They are small clubs that are just called churches. There are some big churches that are not doing the big work of Jesus. They are big clubs, but are not doing the work of Jesus. How do we find out what the work of Jesus is? We read the manual. Thank you very much. And that's what we're doing today. We're reading what Jesus thinks about the church, and we all want to have what each church is called to. We'd like to have it today. If you take time to read this short letter, and any of the seven letters, you'll find this phrase. If you've got ears to hear, how many of you qualify? Ears to hear, please listen, not to what Scott says. It doesn't say that. Please listen to what the Spirit of God is saying. And he's speaking in this room. We want to get out of his way as best we can and hear his voice. Verse 7 begins the letter to the church, and it says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write these words. The words of the Holy One. Here's how Jesus describes himself. The true one. The one who has the key of David. Now, just pause for a moment for you Bible uh, students. The other churches received letters from Jesus, and Jesus described himself as he does here. But in each of the other descriptions, he reaches back to the first chapter. In the first chapter, there is a full description of Jesus, one with flaming eyes, one with hair as wool, one with a sharp sword coming out of his mouth, one with feet of bronze. And he takes from that and says, here is the one who's writing to you. This church, he gives a unique description outside of the context of chapter one. Just if you're a Bible student, you may want to note that. He presents himself as one who is holy, one who is true, and one who has the key of David. Who was David? Discuss it amongst yourself. Come up with an answer. (laughs) Who is David? David was a famous, probably the most famous, ancient king, right? King David. So this is a key in a kingdom. And when this key is used and the door is open, nobody can shut it. And when this key locks the door, nobody can open it. Now, again, for those of you who are Bible students and are taking notes, and God will bless you if you take notes, You may want to note Isaiah 22 because that's where this metaphor comes from. In Isaiah 22, there is a king named Hezekiah, and Hezekiah has a faithful servant named Elakim. Elakim was given the key of the kingdom; he wore it on his shoulder, and he was the one who granted access. If Elakim opened the door, it was open. If Elakim closed the door. It was closed. And what Jesus is saying in the kingdom of God, I have the key, the key of the kingdom. And when I open a door, ain't nobody closing it. And when I close a door, thank you for joining with me and participating. Ain't nobody closing it. He presents himself as one who opened doors. And we're talking today about the opportunity and the power of open doors. Because here is Jesus' message to that church, which would be a message to our church if we have ears to hear, and to individuals who are listening to this message, whether you're here or watching online. Here's the message. I know your works. Right, You have this in your study guide if you pull it out. I know your works. And he says that to all the churches. He knows what you're about. And behold, I have set before you an open door. So if you can just imagine this, can you use your sanctified imagination? Just picture here in front of me a doorway. And Jesus has put it in front of me. It's an open door. Now the key to getting into this building is what? Going through. If you never came through the open door, you would not be sitting here right now. If you never go through a door... You never receive what's on the other side, and that's very important because Jesus is putting opportunity in front of you, and you will need the faith and the strength to walk through that door. But if you walk through that door, you will leave the last behind and receive the new that he has for you. Come on, somebody. Now, to receive that, pay attention, verse 8 there are three key principles we're going to talk about today. And I want you to note them now. If you have a pen, you can underline them. These are the keys to this church having this opportunity, this open door that he put in front of them. Nobody could close. When, when God brings an opportunity, nobody can close it. Uh, the government of China has tried to close the door to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Jesus opened that door. And every day, thousands of people in China are coming to God through the house church movement, because the government may close a door, but what Jesus opens, nobody can close. is yes. get that. That's true. And regardless of church, government um, relationships, whatever the government does, the government is the government of this world, we belong to a different kingdom called the kingdom of God, and in the kingdom, the king has the keys, and when the king opens a door, nobody can close it. Here are the keys. Get a pen. Just note these. I know that you have little power. We're going to talk about that. And you have kept my word. Underline that. And you have not denied my name. And because of that, I have put in front of you an open door. Now, an open door in the Bible, in the Scriptures, is an opportunity. And I put several um, Scriptures in your study guide that just show us. When we he says open door, he's saying new opportunity. Um, you'll notice there in your study guide, if you pull it out, in Acts chapter 14, Paul is meeting with the church at Antioch, and he's bringing to them a little report just on his ministry, on what he's been doing. And it says when they arrived, they gathered the church together, and they gave them a report, or they declared all that God had done with them. And watch this. How he had, what did God do? He opened a door to the Gentiles. And you should be very glad that Paul saw that door and stepped through that door if you are a Gentile. And if you don't know if you're a Gentile or not, if you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. Are there any Gentiles in the house? Okay, just so, and you should be thankful that Paul saw the door and he had the faith to step through it. I believe that God tried to open the door for Peter Peter was given opportunity. In fact, Peter was the first one that was ministering when God poured his Holy Spirit out on Gentile people. And he said, it's not my fault. Acts chapter 10, he's in the middle of preaching. The Holy Spirit falls on uh, Italians of all people. Can you believe that? But Italians are Gentiles. And uh, they're swept into the kingdom of God. And Peter goes, not my fault. So I I literally believe that uh, the door opened up and that the greater faith was in Paul and the greater calling was in Paul. He saw the door, he stepped through the door, and he stepped into the salvation of thousands of Gentile people. And aren't you glad he did? Because if he didn't step through that open door, you wouldn't be here today. So we're very thankful that Paul saw the door. And my prayer is today that you will see doors of opportunity, The fog will clear. The fog will lift. You will see doors of opportunity and you are going to take steps of faith today to step through those doors. And here's what happens. The same way you are blessed because Paul stepped through an open door, you are going to be a greater blessing to this world because you see the opportunity and you step through the door. Come on, somebody. When Paul was in Ephesus... He stays in Ephesus. And here's one of the ways you can tell that you are walking in the will of God. I've lived my whole life through open doors. I never planned to move to this city. It was never in my, like, five-year plan or my 10-year plan or my 20. It was never in my plan, but here I am. But why? Because a door opened up. We prayed, we believed it was of God, and we stepped through it. So Paul is in Ephesus, and he feels the same thing. He says, I'm going to stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. I'm going to stay longer. Longer than I had planned to. Pentecost was a festival. It was somewhat down the road in the calendar. And he says, the reason I'm staying there, in verse 9, is because there is a wide open door. He felt things are happening. People are coming into the kingdom of God. Lives are being changed. People are being transformed. It seems to be a wide door of opportunity. Even though, watch this, even though... There are many adversaries. Just because you're facing a hardship, just because times are getting tough, doesn't mean you're walking in an opportunity that's not of God. If people around you are receiving, if people around you are growing, if the church of Jesus Christ is moving forward, then even though it gets hard when the go... You know that scripture. When the toe- going gets tough... You know that Bible verse. It's not in the Bible. But you know that one. this Paul. That's Paul. He says, that door is there. It's effective. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay here because I can see the door. And as I step through the door every day, things are happening. When's the last time you stepped through a door and something happened? That's good. Someone just whispered to me this morning, that's good. My prayer is that we would be be praying before we leave, Lord, open doors. Even if you are in a very tough place, Paul stepped through the open doors. There was much adversity. He kept stepping through them. He kept stepping through them. Eventually, it landed him in prison, right? Because he preached Christ, and he preached Christ, and he preached Christ, and he was thrown in prison. And even while he's in prison, I want you to see while he's in prison, he's praying. He's asking his friends to pray. And he's not saying, please pray that I get out. Please pray that my term is shortened. Please pray that I have favor with the judges. That's the kind of stuff we would be praying. Here's what Paul, while Paul is in prison under under adverse circumstances, he writes to his friends in the letter of Colossians and he says, at the same time, here's what I want you to pray for. I want you to pray for us that I get out early. No, come on, that's why you gotta read. Uh, I pray that my term would be shortened. What is he, what is he, in the midst of prison, he's chained up, he's in prison, he's under adverse circumstances, and what's his prayer? In the midst of this, may there be an open door. I may be in chains. I've taught you before that Paul wasn't chained to the guards. The guards were chained to Paul. And there's a whole different paradigm there. All right? Those, you, you have a captive. When people are chained to you, you, you have a captive audience. Hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Where's the guard going? Nowhere because he's chained to Paul. I want you to pray that I will have open door of opportunity so that what? I can declare the mystery of Christ, which is the actual reason I'm in prison in the first place. So even when times get tough, here's the prayer of the day. God, open doors. God, show me doors that you have opened. God, remind me when you open the door, Ain't nobody closing the door. God, remind me, when you open the door, nothing. If God is for me, no one can be against me. And give me the strength, the patience, the endurance to step through the door. Because when you step through the door, your world is changed and the world is changed. So this little church in Philadelphia is written and he says, I'm putting this door in front. I want you to see it. He says it to us. There's a door. There's opportunities around you. Now, there are three principles in verse 8 that open our eyes to see the opportunity and give us the strength to walk through those opportunities. The first one is this. It's the strength of understanding little power, which is an unusual compliment that Jesus gives to this church. Opportunities are opened up when you understand, you have little power. Now, it wasn't that they had little faith or little anointing. They were, a scholars tell us, a small church. And small churches need God. I know that because this church used to be very small. And we would pray, oh God, oh God, oh God, if you don't show up, we're in trouble. Because we had little power. And it's important, even as the church grows larger, that it keeps that small power attitude that says, we don't have the power that's why we need him, because he gives us the power we need. We have little power, he has big power. That attitude, that attitude will change your world. We heard it earlier in this gathering that Jesus is pouring out the Holy Spirit. And with the power of the Holy Spirit, he gives us all the power we need to step through doors. We could look at the door and say, That door is too big for me. Actually, it's not. You may have little power, but God has big power. He will take you through the doors into a new opportunity to enlarge the place of your influence in ministry if you keep acknowledging the power comes from him. The glory goes to him. In fact, I read this week, this an interesting little quote. If you are claiming the glory for things that God is doing, you're committing grand theft, I think it was. I like that. Uh, Here's some bonus material. If you're taking notes, and God will bless you if you take notes. Just write down Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. I love this verse. It says, God is creating in you a masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece, He's working in you. He's working in you by Christ Jesus. You are not the artist, you are the artwork. He is the one that is picking the colors, and he's the one that's shaping, and he's the one that's molding. You are a masterpiece in God's economy in Christ Jesus to do good works. You may be so small and feel you're so small that you see an opportunity, but you're not willing to step into the opportunity because you say, I'm too small. There is no, please, 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 there is no one in this place that is so small. If you're in a wheelchair, you're not too small. If you've got physical infirmity, you're not too small. If you're getting older and older and older, like my beloved dad who's in church, nice to see you after all these weeks. Give him a little hand there. Not as physically strong as you used to be. You may have little power, but God still has all the power you need. That's for everyone. There's no one in this place that is so small that God can't use you. Now, you could be too big. This is the key to this church. They recognized, hey, we don't have resource. We're not politically connected. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, if you don't show up, we're in trouble. May we never lose that prayer. We're God's masterpiece. We're not making ourselves. We're not painting. We're not painting by numbers. He is painting us. He is making us in Christ Jesus to do the good works. And every single person in this room is called to fulfill that, to do the good works, not in your strength, not in your ability, not in your power, but in the power of Almighty God. There are opportunities around you. There are, there's a brokenhearted neighbor. And it's an opportunity. There's someone who is sick and you don't have the power to heal them because you've got little power, but you happen to know the name that releases the divine power of God to bring much power to your little power. There's someone that's living far away from God. They could be a prodigal. They could be far away from God and never know too much about the kingdom of God. And it's an opportunity and you feel a little overwhelmed. But you may have little power. He has much power. And that's all you need to know. Come on, let's affirm that. Let's just put our hands together and just say, thank you, Lord. So this church had the the secret, and it's a secret. And may God help us as we get larger that we never lose that small church attitude that says, oh God, oh God, oh God, if you don't show up, we're in trouble. If you don't show up, we don't have it. We have little power. You've got much power. And we need your much power because our little power doesn't accomplish anything is what he said. So he says, I want to compliment you. You understand you've got little power. The second thing he says to them in verse 8 is this, that you have kept my word. That opportunities open up from keeping God's word. And I want to just point out to you, if you've been in the series, that's a repeatable. He has said that to several churches as he compliments them. And let me add this you're a Bible student, this is one of, of the seven churches, you know, God would say something nice and then he would correct them, something nice and then he would correct them. This church and the church of Smyrna are the only churches that he has no correction for. No correction. He just, man, I'd like to be part of a church like that. So other churches, Jesus said, hey, thumbs up! But Jezebel, right? this church, all he says is, hey, thumbs up and thumbs up. Man, I'd love Jesus to look at this church and go, thumbs up and thumbs up. You guys have little power. Know that. I got much power. You guys keep the word of God. That's why in this series, and it's been emphasized, is we want to we love the stuff Jesus loves. Jesus loves when we keep his word. And in order to keep his word, we have to Know his word, which is why I've been encouraging you 15, 20 minutes a day, that devotional time with God where you read God's word because you can't keep God's word if you don't know God's word. And what God's word will do, it will shift your perspective. I believe that there are doors of opportunity that are in front of you and you're not seeing the opportunity clearly because you keep looking at things through your perspective. The Word of God shifts your perspective and brings you to the wisdom of God where you see the whole circumstance in a brand new light. The Word of God will shift the way you look at things. It will shift you from human wisdom, which is folly, to divine wisdom, which is victory. When we were called by the Lord uh, Jesus... To come to Sarasota, we actually physically uh, didn 't want to come because uh, we were pastoring a church that had a dramatic growth it was a, it be, had become a large church, and we loved that church we 've only pastored two churches in our lives uh, that church and this church and when Jesus asked us to come to Sarasota, it was a just a tiny little sometimes sometimes we would have gatherings we'd count the people one, two, three, four, five that happened so Darla was having her devotional time while we were praying about this, and we were going, is this, a, is this an opportunity? Is this, what, what, maybe, is this not? Mm-hmm. So we're praying. We want, to, we want to seek God. And Darla came across a scripture, and she shared it with me, and it shifted our perspective. The scripture says in the words of Jesus, do not be afraid, little flock. We were pastoring a big flock. But do not be afraid, little flock, for it is God's great desire to give you the kingdom of God. That scripture shifted our perspective. We were looking at it one way, but the word shifted our perspective. So all of a sudden, oh, that is, that's is—that's an opportunity. We began to see it as an opportunity. Sometimes you're looking at something, and it's a challenge, and it's a mountain, but it's not. It's just a door in disguise. Somebody get that one down, because I never said that before. That's, I don't know where that came from, but somebody needs it. Your problem, your mountain is just a door in disguise. The word will help to clarify. You know what else? Some of you are standing right in front of the door and you can't see it because you're in a fog of stress and pressure and you've been listening to every Tom, Dick, and Harry and you've got to stop listening to them. And Susie and Jane and Mary, stop them too. Listening to God's word will put, listening to God's word will clear the fog of stress and bring you into place of peace. I, lo, I love uh, Psalm 119. It is the longest portion in the Bible, and it's all about the Bible. It's all about the Word of God. And there's a verse, bonus material as well, but you can get it. Psalm 119, 165. You know you're in a serious passage when you get down to 165 verses. and there's more after that. Psalm so 119, 165 says, Great peace have they that love thy law, the law of the Lord, the law of love, the Scriptures. Great peace have they that love the Scriptures. It clears the fog so you can be in a peaceful place. And when you're in a peaceful place, you can see doors better. And then it says this, And nothing shall offend them. Wow. Can you imagine walking out through the open doors with nothing or no one offending you? It's very hard to see doors sometimes when you're upset with people. Because your eyes aren't looking for the doors. You're looking at the people. What forgiveness does, what letting go of resentment does, it takes your eyes off the people and gets your eyes on the door, and you go, oh my Lord, there it is. I'm going to stop looking at you. I'm going to stop fighting with you. I forgive you. I let that go. Oh, my Lord, there's a door of opportunity right here that I was missing because I was not in peace. I was in an antagonism towards you, and now I let that go, and now I can see the door clearly. I'm preaching good. I don't care what you think. I'm preaching good anyway. I don't care. I'm just, I don't care. I'm, I'm preaching. So this little church had little power. This little church kept the word of God. And then this third thing, they did not deny the name of God. I've written it down like this if you're taking some notes, that opportunities open up when you honor the name of the Lord, when you honor God's name. In their day, um, they would literally be challenged by legal authorities to say each year they would be compelled Or challenged to say, take a pinch of salt and bring it in worship and say, Caesar is Lord. Well, how many know that Caesar can't be Lord and Jesus be Lord at the same time? That'd be a great lesson for some of you to learn. Caesar can't be Lord. Your car, your house, your position, the relationship you're in, can't be Lord and Jesus be Lord at the same time. So they just said, we cannot say that. Probably in this small church, everyone had faced that at some time, and they they were all true. They just said, no way. Jesus is Lord. Now, in our context, thanks be to God, we don't have legal authorities coming and asking us to deny the name of Jesus. Thank God for the religious freedoms that we enjoy in this nation. Thank God for the religious freedoms we enjoy in this nation. Thank you, Lord. We don't know how long we'll have them. Brothers and sisters that live around the world don't have them. We enjoy them. Nobody says, hey, you you have to deny Jesus. So how do we apply this truth? Let me say this that we don't deny the name of Jesus by cursing him, though we could do that. We deny the name of Jesus when we don't talk about him. When, we don't, when his name is not frowned frequently on our lips. There are opportunities for you that you're going to face this week. I promise you there are open doors that Jesus is going to put in front of you. And the person on the other side of that door needs to know about the kingdom of God. And you need to know, I don't have the power. I don't have the wisdom. I am little power, but he's much power. So I'm stepping through the door. Probably on our team right now of pastors and elders, probably the most um, gifted a gifted personal evangelist would be Pastor Tommy. And he does something that we've encouraged other team members to do because it just, it works well. And I want to commend it to you as well. Uh, When he's in conversation with somebody he's just meeting, maybe it's, I've seen him do it at the restaurant. He just says uh, to the person, "I, I, I try to make it a habit to pray for somebody I don't know at least once a day. Could I pray for something with you? And that, well, that can lead, not always, but it can lead to a spiritual conversation. But I've also seen the person say, "No, no, no, thank you." Next words out of his mouth. Jesus loves you." What did he do? He honored the name of Jesus. You can study this, and some of you are children of the 60s. Where are my children of the 60s? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you children of the 60s? This, and, and for those of you that are younger, this is, it's, you can study this. It's, it's, you can Google it. There was a movement of Jesus in the 60s and early 70s, and, and they were called the Jesus people. Anybody here a Jesus person? Okay, so the the other services are light on Jesus people. The Jesus people come to this service. You old-timers are coming to this service. They they were called the Jesus people. Why? Because they talked about Jesus all the time. In fact, culture gave them a pejorative title. They called them Jesus freaks. Are there any Jesus freaks in the house? Yeah, so, and, and what they said is, Exactly. That's what we are. We are freaks for Jesus. They were talking about Jesus all the time. They were like, that one way, hey, Jesus is one way, a one way symbol. They had Jesus t shirts. We got to bring back some Jesus t shirts. Jesus loves you. That was pretty, pretty frequently off their lips. Hey, Jesus loves you. Now, the world didn't get it, and the world mocks it, and the word derides it. But I just I would like you to consider, prayerfully consider, please, brothers and sisters, that the name of Jesus would come off of your mouth more frequently in the weeks to come than it has in the weeks past, that you would be a, 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 have to honor the name of Jesus. And you said, "But it makes people uncomfortable. That's spiritual warfare. When you inject the name of Jesus into it, when you say Jesus loves you, and you feel that woo, that ripple woo. What is that? That's demons trembling, and God likes that. These people honored the name of Jesus. And every time you say Jesus, you are saying God saves. That's what Jesus means, Yeshua, Yahweh saves. And when you speak the name of Jesus, so they honored the name of Jesus. Of Jesus and then he wraps up by just saying these words in 10 and 11 to them because you've kept my word and he particularly notes this and he has done this in other churches as well so this is another high value to Jesus when you see him repeating himself in various churches a high value that Jesus puts on what's this called patient endurance come on everybody say patient endurance do you remember what patient endurance is We've talked about it two or three times in this series. Patient endurance is, thank you, you remember, to never give up. Jesus likes that. Jesus likes when you never give up. Hey, maybe you missed the door last week. Hey, I want to say he's like a revolving door, but there's another opportunity coming around. You have patient endurance. And because you've had patient endurance... Watch what he says. I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming. And brothers and sisters, listen. Thank God for the religious freedoms we have. And I'll say freely, we don't know how long we have them. But if you live by the, the, the standards of this church, you're going to make it through. Praise be to God. Trial that is coming on the whole world. How many of you live somewhere on the world? And it's coming to the whole world. So he says, it's coming. And if you read the Revelation, it's this cataclysmic conflict between light and dark. To those who dwell on the earth. Well, how many dwell on the earth? How many of you are living on the earth? So this is just wise for you to hear these words. He says to you, I'm coming soon. That's good news. I believe that. I believe Jesus could come today. Wouldn't it be great if you just stepped through a door of opportunity Just exercised your faith, just leaned into his power, and then Jesus came. And he said, man, I gave a door, and you just stepped through it. Just quit looking at the doors. Quit saying, I'm too small to go through the doors. You have little power, but he has great power. He's coming soon, he says to them. So he says, I want you to hold fast to what you have. Do just what you did when we studied the book and the letter to Thyatira. Take a pen and draw a line from verse 11 to verse 8. Because what did they have? They had little power. He's saying, hold on to what you got. You got little power. Remember, Always remember, church, you have little power. He's got big power. You got little power. Know where your source of empowerment comes from. And it comes from Almighty God. And emphasis on the Almighty God. He said, you keep my word. Hold on to that. Keep doing that. Hold on to what you have. Keep my word and honor my name. Just hold on to those things. And as you do that, you're going to see, in new ways, doors of opportunity. You're going to step through those doors. The world is going to be changed because you're on the planet at this time, and you see the doors, the opportunities that God is giving you, that neighbor that needs help, that coworker that's beside you, and you step through the door of opportunity, and you become a church of an open door. You become a believer of an open door. You're getting up even when you're in prison. Even when you're in prison, you're saying, there's got to be an opportunity in here somewhere. Pray that God will show me an opportunity. Show, open the door. Even when things are tough, even when physically things are tough, even when you're put in the, in the rehab home, there must be an opportunity home. There must be an opportunity here. Pray pray with me that a door of opportunity would be open. And as we pray and we see the doors, God give us the power his power to step through those doors and see the world change with the power of Jesus Christ because it needs the kingdom of God to be on the earth as he asked us to pray. And you're part of that happening in Jesus' name. Let everybody say amen. Let's stand together, please. Let's close our eyes and let's open our hearts and ask our prayer partners to come immediately and stand here with me if you would be so kind, please. The one who holds the key is in the room right now. And I promise you, he's at a door. It's called the door of your heart. He's already opened his half of the door. You ever been in a hotel where it's like a two-way door? He's already opened his half of the door. He's just asking for you to open your half so he can come in and have fellowship with you. And we want to have fellowship with you with the living God in this living moment. So we wanna receive all that God has for us. We wanna receive Christ as our Lord, as our Savior. We wanna receive the opportunities he's bringing to us. And we're gonna pray a prayer that I'd like everybody to pray. Maybe you've never prayed this kind of prayer before, but this is your day to make Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. Maybe you've been a prodigal. Maybe have been far away, maybe the fog, you've been in a fog. Well, today's a day for the fog to clear and for the Spirit of God to begin to show you opportunities that your life has never seen before. As you say yes to God, He says yes to you. So we want to do this out loud. I'm going to pray out loud. I'm going to ask everyone here, 100% of us, to pray this prayer of receiving God's grace, receiving Christ, following Christ. And here's our prayer. Lift your voice, good, strong voice. God loves to hear your voice. Would you say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I open my heart, my life, my soul to Jesus Christ. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. I repent of my sins, and I follow you. Keep opening up doors and giving me the strength and the power to step through those doors. Help me to follow Jesus every day of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah, 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 amen. Let the church celebrate. The Bible says heaven celebrates. Look this way, please look this way. If you are saying yes to God for the first time or for the first time in a long time, it's very, very, very important that you walk forward Tell one of our prayer team. If you're not there yet, at least let us start a dialogue with you. You're saying yes to God. You can just pick your phone up and text in yes to 941 262 thirteen twenty one, And we'll start. We want to help you. Your life is here, but God would like to take it here. No, let me do that better. Your life is here, and God would like to take you here. So we want to be part of that. Please come and let one of our prayer team. Our prayer team is also here to pray for any need that you may have. Maybe you've got little power and you recognize that today. And you say, I need the power of the Holy Spirit to go through the door of opportunity that's in front of me. Let our team pray for you and invite the power of the Holy Spirit to give you the power you need. You need healing? We believe in healing. You need a miracle? We believe in the miraculous power of God. If you've been here for the first time, and I've met a number of people that are here for the first time, Thank you for coming and being with us. We believe that God has so much more for you. And uh, we love if you've never stopped by our VIP room, and you are a VIP to us today, stop by that room. It's especially prepared for our guests. Back on the left-hand side, we want to meet you. We want to greet you, answer any questions, and just bless you. You blessed us by coming. We want to bless you, give you some gifts. I'm going to pray a blessing. I'm going to pray a prayer over everyone. After that, the prayer team is going to be here. They're going to minister, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are going to flow in this altar area right here. You need something from God, it's here. You need a miracle, it's got your name on it. It's just waiting for you to take a step of faith. The the altar could be an open door for you. Step through the door. I also want you to know that there are communion tables on the left-hand side and the right-hand side if you'd like to receive communion today the bread and the cup of the Lord reminding us and we remember Jesus that he died on the cross he absorbed all our sin all our shame he was placed in a tomb and he didn't stay there on the third day he rose from the dead and he's with us right here right now we celebrate his presence in the communion and you're welcome you don't have to be a member of this church just a member of the church the Universal Church friend of Jesus you can come and receive prayer you can come and receive communion but let God take don't just listen Listen and act. When you add action to your listening, that's faith. Just listening is not faith. Listening and action, that's what this prayer time is about. It's about acting on something that God is doing in you today and helping that moment, that step of faith to be fulfilled and accomplished. That's why we do this. So I'm gonna pray this blessing. And as I pray, I'm gonna open my hands towards heaven. I'll invite you to do the same. No one's looking around, so no one should be embarrassed. This is a Bible way of praying. Lord, here are your sons, and here are your daughters, and you love them. You love them so much. Now pour your Holy Spirit upon them. Pour your Holy Spirit upon them. Let them have ears to hear not what Scott says, but what the Spirit says to the church. I pray that opportunities, unusual opportunities, will open up, and with your power and in your name, we'll step through those doors. I pray that we'll hear incredible testimonies of what we see happen based on this word that you're giving to us today. I pray for our prayer team. May they be filled with the Holy Spirit. May they lay hands on the sick and they recover. May lives be changed and transformed, not because of their little power, but because of your much power. Thank you for the communion. Thank you for the bread and the cup of the Lord. We bless the moment of communion together. And we ask, God, as we worship you, that you'll receive our worship, that it will be sweet In Jesus' name, we pray these things. And everybody says together, amen. Let's just put our hands together and just say, hey, thank you, Lord. We love you. We love you, Lord. So our our worship team is going to begin to lead us. Let me invite you to come forward for prayer and for communion, and just let the Holy Spirit work in your heart and in this place. In Jesus' name.